Welcome to the Annie Center podcast. My name is Justin Kingdon, and this episode's topic is how to have better conversations with your children and teenagers. And I'm Dr. Anne Chalfont, and in this episode, I'm going to be sharing my conversation recipe with you so that you can warm up your conversations with your children and teenagers. One mother, one mission to create a world where families thrive. Dr. Anne Chalfont, internationally acclaimed clinical psychologist, family therapist, author, and mother of four children, brings you powerful and practical parenting techniques from her clinical and personal experience. Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in the house. Before we begin, though, um, I do want to let everyone know that we are now on YouTube, and it's the same name as the podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so all you need to do is search for Annie's Centre Podcast, and you will find us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe and click the bell so that you receive notifications when we post uh, videos to there and the videos of the podcasts, plus also uh, Anne's weekend tips and other videos, that any other videos that she will be doing, uh, and then you will get those notifications to you. So definitely connect with us on Facebook to see the videos first published there, YouTube, and listen to us on your favorite podcast host. Okay, so with that being said, um, I am super excited about this week's uh podcast because um, we're going to talk about um, uh, this very important topic. Yes. And um, we also have something extra and something uh, unique and new for the Annie Centre podcast. Yes, we do. Although it's very much in the spirit of trying to give explicit instructions and ideas to parents, which is what the podcast is all about, really helping families thrive. So this time round, with this episode, we're actually going to do some kind of live coaching, if you like, using our own children, who we've uh, done some little uh, examples or templates of typical conversations versus what we're going to call warm conversations. And then that way I can coach people through what the difference is between using the warm conversation approach and how that works much better versus a typical conversation. Excellent. But before we get to the uh, live Mm -hmm. demonstrations, Mm -hmm. uh, and as you said, that explicit coaching, which is fantastic, what inspired this week's episode? So conversations are obviously really important, but conversations with children and teenagers, I don't know if people really appreciate how critical they are, good conversations with children and teenagers, how critical they are to their long-term mental health outcomes, and as well as their short-term outcomes um, in terms of their development. So there's really good research that looks at short-term outcomes, and there's some phenomenal research that looks at longer-term outcomes of having good conversations, good interactive conversations or warm conversations with kids and teenagers and the benefits that that has. So I feel like um, we know in general that conversations are important, but as parents, we don't necessarily know exactly what we should be doing in a conversation to make it work better for us. And so I felt like with this podcast, it's a great opportunity to try and give families some you know procedures to follow or some 
tips to incorporate so that they can get it right more often when they're trying to converse with their kids or their teenagers in the hope that that will have other father-reaching benefits for their children and for their families. So this is a a foundational concept. Just if you don't set massive goals, uh, set this and get this done right, Mm -hmm. the warm conversation, and that can be your first step and get that right and that will open up untold opportunities with your children. Exactly. And so the two areas of research that support that are, as I said, one is looks at shorter-term benefits and the other is longer-term. So the shorter-term benefits are things like um, studies that have looked at the benefits of good conversations from parents with their younger children Mm. and the benefits that it has for their language development early on. Um, teaching them social skills because conversations or good conversations are all about turn-taking and also waiting for your conversational partner to have their turn, so giving people space in conversation to get their ideas out and to formulate their ideas out loud. So that's a social skill as well that children need to learn. And when you have a good model of that from a parent, then that helps you develop that social skill better. Um, As I said, there's evidence to support the language development of children from having good conversations with parents because rich or or good conversations are ones where there is more language used, obviously, um, but also more detailed descriptions and more use of emotion um, when we're talking about experiences and reflecting on emotions and reflecting on thoughts. Um, And children who are partaking in those types of conversations with their parents are ones who go on to have better outcomes in terms of their literacy skills, their language development um, at that early at those early stages. So it's setting them up um, really well in terms of their development. So, so this would be something fantastic to for parents to first learn and then also have grandparents, uncles, definitely. aunts. Yes. Anyone involved with that child, yes. basically. Yes. And the thing is, you know, having it's, – it's not that parents are having bad conversations with their kids. Just right. to, to, you know, we all have uh, – I think when we, when we look at the model later of what was – what I'm calling a typical conversation, it is exactly that. It's very normal to have these types of conversations where we ask lots of closed-ended questions and we kind of want to get through the day quickly. We're often busy, so, you know, we're really trying to find information out from our children in a more um, in, inquisition style. Mm. Um and it's there's nothing wrong with that per se, other than the fact that it, it it's a missed opportunity really in terms of the the ability to connect perhaps on a deeper level with children and teenagers, as well as uh, you know build indirectly some of these skills that I just mentioned, you know literacy, language, emotional intelligence for younger children, and for teenagers the ability to feel like someone's really genuinely interested in what they're interested in. So conversation and warm conversations or what I'm going to call warm conversations are ones where parents can really show actively through their language that they want to know more about what is of interest to the teenager. Um, And in doing that, it builds relationship and that, as we know, has much better long-term outcome for, you know, reducing mental health and risk of anxiety and things like that. Because children who are more connected within their family, teenagers who have better relationships with their parents, are teenagers who are better supported, are teenagers who have less uh, vulnerability to things like depression and anxiety. So 
coming back to the early research, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the early stage research and the short-term outcomes, as I said, there's benefits for um, literacy, there's benefits for language development, so all of those early skills that we want to set children up with to succeed in their longer development or longer-term development. And then the other really phenomenal research comes from studies called the British Birth Cohorts and the related studies of that. I don't know if you've heard about those, but they're quite incredible pieces of research. So, Not at all, so I'm intrigued. Yeah, so this is the – I'll give the as, as short a version of, as I can of this, although it's mammoth research. So ultimately what happened was um, from 1946 onwards in England, Scotland and Wales – they surveyed uh, thousands of mothers, or groups of thousands of mothers, at the time for for a week, a period of a week, at the time that they were giving birth, and uh, from surveys to other sorts of sampling, like um, sampling babies' teeth, uh, preserving placentas, taking DNA samples, blood tests, all sorts of physical um, assessment, as well as surveying and questionnaires. So they did that in 1946. They did that again in 1958 with another cohort, hence it's called the British Birth Cohorts, another group of people, um, several thousand people each time. In fact, I think up to 14,000 people each time. Um, Again in 1970s, again in the 1990s, and again at the turn of the millennium. So all in all across these generations, there's been about 70-odd thousand um, people who have been studied and surveyed in this way. And every few years they take more data through, you know, other measures, you know, looking at um, longer-term measures like how they're faring in terms of their health now, financial status, job, uh, you know, education, all sorts of different aspects of development and life and health and well-being outcomes, as I said, as well as other physical measures through things like blood tests and other, collecting other sort of biological data. So it's not just a one-off study. They're, they're no, going back ongoing. to this, these sample Correct. Right, so these this, cohorts. Yeah, right. and so this, this group of people, I mean, the, the data bank of information from 70-odd thousand people, I mean, you can just imagine, it's almost unfathomable how huge that is in terms of the information that we have on these people and how mm. widely studied they are. But how does this relate to conversation? So the interesting um, findings from those studies, are two, there are two main findings that I was really interested in as a clinical psychologist. So one is the fact that, um, you know, no matter what your, uh, you know, long-term outcomes are, one thing that has the biggest factor in predicting those is your socioeconomic status at birth. So basically, if you're born into poverty or poor socioeconomic status, then your outcomes are much poorer, no matter what happens across your life. Generally, that's the trajectory. However, however, parenting and the type of parenting you receive is one of the biggest factors in redirecting that pathway. So it is a pretty uh, fixed pathway, but for those people who've been born into a low socioeconomic status uh, environment, those have been able to move out of that as they've developed and have better access to, you know, better educational opportunities, job, uh, you know, health, etc. have been those where the, the, one of the factors in that difference has been those where parents have been heavily engaged in the child's development in different ways. And the main ways are 
conversation with kids, um, regular sleep routines, which makes sense. Absolutely. Um, we know a lot about, you know, good sleep habits for health outcomes. Um, interestingly, families who took their children on more excursions, so it's really about extending their learning and using natural learning opportunities to enrich a child's learning. So that's a trip to a museum. Could be. Or could be... Okay, so anything yeah. that were that, that could be enriching to the yeah. child. So it could be a, something not as even that, that complex. Absolutely. It could be, uh, you know, for example, recently, well, last school holidays, we took our kids on the new metro that had been opened. And mm-hmm. that was simply to look at it, to then use that as a basis for talking about maybe some of the engineering um, accomplishments in how that was built and constructed, you know, all those sorts of things. So it could be something as simple as that. It's taking the train ride. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Um, so excursions, families where parents have a very strong interest in their child's future outcomes, which again makes sense because the more engaged you are in planning for your child's future, presumably the better those outcomes will be because you take an active role in that, um, in planning and preparing that. And, and so it was the conversational factor that really struck me that, you know, that was in the top, you know, list, if you like, mm. of the differences that parents can make to their children in really practical ways to impact their kids or their teenagers' long-term outcomes. So even if they are born into very limited circumstances or environments, they have a much better chance of faring well when these factors come into play, these parental factors or parenting factors. So obviously that's for kids who are from poor or lower socioeconomic backgrounds. But even for those who aren't, we know that parenting and those factors around parenting, particularly conversations with kids, are really, really important in producing better long-term outcomes in terms of health and more general well-being. Mm -hmm. So the fact that this keeps coming up in the research around, you know, either, as I said, early development or longer-term trajectory interests me because I think as a clinician, as I said at the start, one thing we know, you know, for parents is the importance of their relationship with their kids and spending time talking to their children. But we don't necessarily, as clinicians, maybe do a good enough job of explaining to parents exactly how they should talk to their children. Uh, You know, we can all have did you, didn't you type questions and and conversations because we are quite busy. But if we found a formula or a way to try and help parents break that down, then I think that would help them understand the value of good, warm, what I'm going to call warm conversations, and that in turn will hopefully have those longer-term benefits. So coming back to our thrust of our podcast and helping families thrive, that's really what I want to do Mm. tonight using an acronym that I came up with. Yes. Um, because I love acronyms. I think for parents, being a parent myself, um, that it's just a really easy way to remember important skills. And this acronym, which I'm calling WARM, WARM Conversations, is not an acronym where a parent needs to think about doing every single letter of this acronym every time they have a conversation with their child. Or in that order. Correct, exactly. No, it doesn't have to follow the WARM order at all. They can take. They can simply think of this as a guide or key pointers that they might want to try and remember or that would be good to remember when they're speaking with their kids mm. on a regular basis. And as long as they kind of think of this as a checklist of items, am I at least trying to hit 
some of these key components when I have a conversation with my child, mm. then they're going to be putting themselves and their kids and ultimately their family in a much better position. And, and we will be putting a, um, a graphic on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, yep. uh, Instagram yep. uh, that people can copy mm-hmm. and take mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, print off or, or uh, save it on their phones or however it, it works for them. Yes. And so that they will have a, this record mm-hmm. and then they can, as you said, can use it and, and chop and change around and, and make it fit theirs. But um, I think it is a really important point that, that our purpose of the podcast is helping families thrive. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not telling families how to thrive. No. We're trying these to support, them. support you and, and give you these real experiences. Okay, so exactly. wonderful. Uh, okay, so... So I'm excited. It's Can brilliant. Through? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. I was going to say, let's now step through W-A-R-M. Yeah. And then uh, we will be able to move on to the actual uh, hearing it being applied mm-hmm. with children. Mm-hmm. Okay. So W-A-R-M, Warm Conversations, my little acronym. So W is for work questions, which are basically open-ended questions. When you ask someone work questions like who, what, when, why, how, they're all questions that allow more information or a broader response from a child or a teenager than the typical, did you do this? Did you like that? Closed Um, questions. Yes, exactly. Which are closed questions. So we want to always start conversations with children and teenagers with open-ended questions. That's critical. And it's an obvious point, but we nine times out of ten forget when we are busy having conversations quickly in the car as we're unpacking the bag at the end of the day, uh, you know, trying to get dinner on, etc., etc. It's much faster to ask the closed questions and harder to start a longer conversation. So it is important that we have time to do this, but open-ended questions are key. Okay, they are what, where, who, when, why, and how. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. So then A in Mm -hmm. WARM stands for adding more information. And what I mean there is we want the child or the teenager to add more information or add more details to the topic that's being discussed. And a key phrase that I really love to use and I find it always effective um, is the phrase, tell me more about. So, for example, Hmm. if you were speaking with your child about, um, I don't know, their sports swimming carnival, for instance, and, uh, you know, with their experience there, and they said that they really enjoyed, you know, two of their races freestyle and breaststroke or something like that and we wanted more details or more information it's simply using the topic and adding tell me more about so tell me more about when you were swimming in the 50 meter freestyle race or tell me more about when you were you know standing on the blocks getting ready to dive in or tell me more about when you were at the swimming carnival and you could hear the crowd cheering or something like that So we provide a little bit of the detail or the lead-in for the topic that's being discussed, but we add tell me more about in order to extract, if you like, or get the child to add more details. So A is for adding more details in, and we're trying to get the child or teenager to do that by using a catchphrase like tell me more about. Love it. R is for reflecting and rephrasing. So when we speak or have a conversation with a child or a teenager, it's quite important that we show them that we're actively listening to them. 
And again, that's really important for showing that we care about what they're saying. It's a way of connecting more strongly with them. All of those are reasons to reflect in conversation. So rephrasing is simply putting their, you know, rephrasing their words into our own. So giving a little summary along the way. For example, again, if we use the swimming carnival example, because it's just on my mind, um, if then the child was to say something like, oh, and, you know, at the end, I felt so relieved. Um, you know, I was really tired, but I looked up and I saw people cheering and I was so pleased that I won the, you know, that I swam in the race. Then we might rephrase that in some way and say something along the lines of, so it sounds like you had a thrilling time right. and, you know, etc. when you swam in your race, or it sounds like you were feeling really relieved but excited all at the same time or something like that. So just something that helps rephrase or put into our own words what the child has said in some way. And again, we do that to show them that we're listening actively, we're interested in what they're saying, and it helps us connect more closely with them through conversation. The other R or the other part of R is reflecting. So reflecting from our own perspective on our own thoughts, feelings, or experiences. So I did a little um, video post on this several weeks ago now, probably more than a month ago now, and that can be accessed you through the... You put a link to the... I might write that yeah. and link to the, the post on this one, yeah. So we can um, link back to that. It's on YouTube. But to go into more detail about all of that now, when we're reflecting, we're giving information to the child or the teenager about our thoughts, feelings, or experiences in relation to whatever the topic is that's being discussed. Right. And we do that because we want to model for them use of our, you know, use of us talking about our emotions. Um, it helps build emotional intelligence and emotional literacy for the child or the teenager, which is, again, really important in terms of building longer-term skills like resilience and confidence in kids and teenagers. So... If we use the swimming carnival example again, it might be something like reflecting on our own personal experience of when we were ever in a swimming carnival or what we think about swimming or how we feel if we have to swim 50 metres or, you know, something like that. So we might say things like, and again, these are just examples, but we might say something like, oh, oh, you know, I never really was um, very interested in freestyle, but I was always very good at backstroke. And I remember once when I swam in a race and I came third and I felt really thrilled about that. So I can imagine how you felt today. So we're talking about a personal experience, but in discussing it, we're deliberately trying to plant language or insert language around our emotions and our thoughts because oh, getting okay. uh, getting uh, our children to talk more about their emotions and their thoughts is going to help them build resilience, build confidence, develop emotional literacy, develop emotional intelligence. So we need to model those skills for them. And it's also a really lovely way of contributing further to the conversation by sharing an experience. And kids and teenagers love to hear about your personal reflections and your personal experiences. They want to feel like you have something to add to the conversation and you show them that you're interested in what they're talking about by sharing your own personal examples. They feel closer to you, basically, when you do that. So that's the other aspect of R. So R was rephrasing, using your own words to try and rephrase the child or the teenager's words to show them you've really been actively listening Mm -hmm. and to connect more. And reflecting by talking about your own thoughts, feelings, or experiences as they relate to the topic that's being discussed. Excellent. Okay. And then M is for make space. 
And what I mean by that is allow the child or the teenager the time that they need to speak to you. So making space doesn't mean make a time in your day to have a conversation. What it means is when you're actually in the process of having the conversation, make gaps in the conversation, allow time for them to get their ideas across and complete their train of thought. This particularly applies to younger children where, you know, I'm thinking about children who might be, uh, you know, four, five, up to, you know, mid to maybe later primary school where they some well, they usually can think faster than what they can articulate or express themselves. And if you're in a conversation with a child and you're kind of cutting them off or you're completing their ideas for them, not because you don't want to hear from them, but you think it's just easier for you to do that, then um, that really limits their opportunity to fully complete their thoughts in language, in spoken language to you. And that damages in a way the connection in the conversation. So an example, if we look at the swimming example yeah. again, and the child was saying, um, so I'll, I'll pretend I'm a child, so I'll be like, uh, so I finished the race and I was feeling, and there's a space, and then you jump in and say something like, excited, happy. Yes, so we might do that in a typical conversation, yeah. in a warm conversation using mm. this acronym, we would wait. Would wait. And see if the child with time and space is then more comfortable or has enough time to actually think about and then produce whatever the word is that they might be struggling to access. And the thing is, the reason to do that is because most of the time, if a child or a teenager is struggling to come up with an idea or a word or get their thoughts across and really want your help, they'll just ask you. They'll just say, oh, what's that word? Or, you know, mum or dad, can you tell me what, you know, what am I trying to say here when you, you know, when you have this experience, what's the word for that? Or, or they might just say, oh, look, I can't quite work it out, you know, and then you'll know that that's an invite for you to add another comment or maybe ask another follow-up question or maybe say, tell me more about that to help them get their ideas out again. So if you're someone that feels like, thinks about this now, hears this and goes, I'm that person that jumps in, I'm that parent that jumps in, it's... Try not to. Try not to. Like count the beat, like count it in your head, say, you know, wait, wait or have a word or something like that. You know, M is make space. Maybe you've just got to repeat, make space, make space, make space. And then just watch the child and pay yes. attention, hold your gaze and yes. let it happen. And holding your gaze is really important. Actually, it's a really good point that you've made. When you're having a conversation with someone, it again is an obvious or it makes perfect sense that we would say, look at that person. But the eye contact part is really important for the make space of warm conversations because that's the best way to judge whether the child or the teenager is struggling and needs your help, as in needs you to, you know, uh, interact more by you interjecting, okay. or whether they are just simply thinking and need the space and the time to think. And I would argue nine times out of ten, both as a parent of four kids myself and as a clinician who's seen thousands of kids, more often than not, as I said, nine times out of 10, it's really that they just need space. They just need the time. So make space really means wait. Mm. That's really all it means. And you'll be amazed that that child will be able to articulate what they're feeling. In their own way. In their own way. Yes, exactly. And that's the important part. It is about it being in their own way as opposed to it being your choice of words for them. Because again, 
that is that detracts from conversation. You kind of break connection when that happens. We want to build connection in a way through conversation that shows the child we are listening to them and we are giving them the time that they need to express their own thoughts, feelings, or ideas. Right, perfect. And and, and look, we understand you. You now you've uh, parents have heard the, the warm acronym and heard the contents and. And they're going to apply it and hear themselves make these mistakes that they've always made. It, it, it's that's okay. It's about you know it's going to be practicing and then listening yes. to yourself. It, it, you, no, there is no expectation from us that all of a sudden you go out tomorrow and every conversation you have, you have with your child it will is, be perfect. Yes. it's just not it's just not possible. It is more than okay. Um, in, and in fact, it's normal. I'd be concerned if people you know weren't making mistakes any any reasonable parent who's busy is obviously going to have what we're calling typical conversations where you're asking close-ended questions and sometimes interjecting and sometimes giving your child ideas and speaking for them on a pretty regular basis but warm conversations are the best way to build connection to build emotional intelligence to try and achieve all of those long-term outcomes that we've talked about tonight in terms of the actual scientific research. Yes. So we just want to give pointers to help and support parents to think about more so that they can at least try and incorporate these into their conversations when they're spending time with their kids or their teenagers. And, and I think for parents that are interested in uh, to, to look at the cohort studies, mm-hmm. we'll include some links uh, There's a great well. TED Talk a TED on talk. that. Okay, great. So we could put a link to that TED Talk. Perfect. Well, that's, that's a really nice summary yeah. that's easy to access for people and easy to digest. Brilliant. So we'll definitely include that as a link. Now, Dr. Chalfont, is there anything else you want to add before we uh, go to the audio of uh, the typical conversation um, with with one of our children and then the warm conversation with one of our children? No, only to, only to say, I think as we've already covered, that it's normal to have, uh, you know, less than perfect conversations with kids. Really, we the, I came up with this acronym as a way of just trying to form a guide for parents of things to remember. And I think finally, um, if I could suggest to families that they tried for a warm conversation on a daily basis, then that would be a huge step forward within family functioning. So, Dr. Chalfont, how have you prepared for these conversations? So what I did was I've, I've prepared two sets of conversations. One set, when I say set, I mean a typical conversation and a warm conversation, so that's a pair or a set. Okay. <clears throat> so I've prepared one set with a nine-and-a-half-year-old, our eldest child, and a second set was prepared, typical conversation and a warm conversation, using the acronym, with our, other, with our next two children, mm-hmm. the six-and-a-half-year-old and the four-and-a-half-year-old. Okay. And so we'll listen to the first conversation with a nine and a half year old. The first conversation is an example of a typical conversation or a non-warm conversation. I have this conversation with my eldest son, Frederick, who is nine and a half years old. In the conversation, we're talking about the school holidays and a birthday party that he recently attended. You can notice three things in this conversation, which I'll discuss further once you've heard the conversation. But listen out for, one, 
the many closed questions that I ask him rather than open-ended questions. Two, the tendency that I seem to have to overlap my questions without giving him enough space or time to respond. And three, the general tone of the conversation, which I think feels a little flat. Have a listen and see what you think. The school holidays began yesterday. Yeah. And did you enjoy the last day of school? Yes. And do you like being on holidays now? Yes. Yeah. It's nice to be able to have a break, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. I like that too. And um, do you think you might see some of your friends on holidays? Yes. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what are they doing in the holidays? Do you know? Some of them. I think some of them are going away, aren't they? Some boys are going overseas. Yep. A few boys in my class are going to England. Oh, wow. A boy in the other class is going to Fiji. It's amazing. Another boy is going on up to Terrigal. Mm-hmm. <coughs> That's all that I know of. Mm. So a few people staying and a few people going away. Yeah. Pretty normal. Not just that, another boy is also, his mother is going to Vanuatu. Oh, wow. That sounds like a very interesting and exotic place to visit. Do you want to go to the beach these holidays? Yeah. Yeah? And what about other things? Do you want to go to the movies or do you want to go bowling? What do you want to do? Do you want to go to the park? Mm, I want to go gaming. Gaming. <laughs> That's after your time zone experience on the weekend, I think. Yeah. Did you like that party? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heaps of fun. It, was, it did look like you were having a good time. It was a great way to finish the year. Yeah. Did a lot of boys go to that party? Uh, not that many, actually, there were. How many boys went to the party? I think there were eight, right? Weren't there eight boys that were at the party? Yeah. Including me, nine. Nine, including you. Okay. Plus family ten, eleven boys altogether, including eleven. And do they have good food there? Yeah. Yeah. Do they have like what chips and cheesels or cakes or? They had cupcakes. Cheesels. Did they have soft drink? No. What about Coke? No Coke. No. They just had juice, blackcurrant. Did they have water? Yes, they had apple and blackcurrant juice. Mm -hmm. Orange juice and apple juice. They have cupcakes. Yeah, Pokemon style. Oh. So did you have enough to eat? Yes, I did. And did you eat first or play first? We played, you know, video, we played video games first. Yeah. Then we did some laser tags and we went uh-huh. to the party room. We had f- chips and chicken nuggets from mm-hmm. Oliver Brown. Mm-hmm. And then we had to blow out, <laughs> Oliver blew out the candles on his cupcakes. And then we just ate. Did his mum make the cake? Yeah, there was also popcorn, Maltesers, Mars bars and as well. Lots of snacks. Mm-hmm. Did his mum make the cake? His mum made the cupcakes. Okay. What about the birthday cake? Did there's she no make that? Cup, birthday cake. Oh, there's no birthday cake. Just the cupcakes. Mm. She probably had enough to do getting yeah. ready for the party. And then, do you know if there are any other parties coming up these holidays? No clue. Okay. 
Okay, so now you've heard the conversation with Fred. What did you notice? Did you notice the many closed questions that I asked him? Questions like, do you want to, did you? All of those questions really ended up receiving single word answers like yes or no, or some brief elaborations that were mostly about facts. There was very little information that was provided about Fred's thoughts, feelings, or experiences beyond stating the facts as a result of me asking him closed questions. Second, I really overlapped many questions in this conversation with Fred. I think there were about five or six questions at one time that I asked him about different things he'd like to do on the school holidays without really giving him sufficient time to answer any one of those questions. For example, I said to him, do you want to go to the beach these holidays? What about other things? Do you want to go to the movies or do you want to go bowling? What do you want to do? Now, with five or six questions in a row like that, there wasn't enough time for him to really think about what he would like to do and tell me why he might like to do a preferred activity. Finally, the tone of the conversation when I listen to it again does feel quite flat. Although I am trying to rephrase some of his answers at times, it really is sounding a little more like an inquisition rather than a conversation that both of us contribute to in a warm manner where we share our thoughts, feelings or experiences about a common topic together. Now let's listen to another conversation that I have with my eldest son, Fred. This time around, I am trying to apply the WARM or WARM principles to the conversation. What changes do you notice in my conversation style? And what changes do you notice in Fred's responses? So we were talking about time zone. Yeah. And do you know when I was younger, I went to a time zone party, probably a bit older than you, and we played laser tag. There were about six of us there. And I I was a bit frightened because I got a bit nervous about people coming around the corner shooting me with laser guns. Did you think they were real? Mm, No, I knew that they weren't real, but I still, in the dark when you're running around and everybody's got a laser gun. I I don't know. I suppose at your age I was a bit nervous about it. When I had my first laser tag party, Mm -hmm. I actually thought they were going to be real laser guns. Like, okay, is this another game of death? (laughs) Or am I just, is this fake? And then I realised once I explained the rules, it was fake. I'm like, oh, good. I'm just going to shoot everyone. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) But you had a good time. Yeah. I think one of the funnest parties I've ever been to as a child was um, a a pool party at a friend's house. We had some, like, inflatable toys and things in the pool. Yeah. A boy in my class last year, Mm -hmm. who was in the other class last year, basically, Mm -hmm. He had a pool party and he had the piñata right over the pool and so when someone smashed it, mm-hmm. all the lollies fell down, mm-hmm. sunk, sank in the pool and everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> we just grabbed awesome. our lolly bags, uh-huh. do- dived under yeah. and we just kept, picked them up. Basically yeah. they had their names on it Yeah. and so we left them open mm-hmm. and we picked up as many lollies as we could mm-hmm. and we just put them in under 
in under in under in. It was so much fun. Lolly's in the swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! What a cool place to have a party. Yeah. In the swimming pool with lollies. Not just that they had a cake, mm-hmm. which was chocolate infested with lollies. Oh my good! Chocolate infested. I love that word. Chocolate infested. That sounds like my kind of cake. Basically, yeah, what happened was it was a smash cake. Yeah. And so it was. Shape of R2D2 Cabury and from school I had filled yep. it with lollies. Yeah. And so we we all had this giant baseball bat all together. Yep. We were holding on. We were like one, two, three, bang! And you could hear the crack of the chocolate. Yeah. And everything basically all the chocolate exploded. And like one a act- volcanic eruption. Yeah. And one actually hit me right in the nose. <laughs> And I was like, and when it dropped down, I was like, eh, poking out my tongue. And it dropped on, and it was actually quite a large fish, and I was like, yummy. I think if I had been at a party like that, where there was chocolate, knowing how much I absolutely love chocolate, I don't think there would have been much left for other people. Sounds like an awesome party. You got, (laughs) you would got that down in about five seconds. Probably. I got, I got still on the R2-D2 head in about one second. Yeah, and tell me more about what you did at that pool party last year. It sounds like that was a lot of fun At that pool party last year, we also played a game of Caption. That's me okay. and my friend versus Rest. Yeah. And so what happened was we had put it in a secret hiding place uh-huh. and we had snuck some water balloons mm-hmm. and we put them in, filled them in our pockets. Mm-hmm. And when someone came past, we were like, bingo splashed it at them let's see how the principles of the warm conversation style applied to that example with fred w work questions well i'm sure you could hear that i didn't really ask fred any work questions in that example in a way i didn't really need to however i did stop asking closed questions like did you didn't you and that seemed to be enough just taking those ta- that style of question away to allow Fred room to speak and give more elaborate and detailed responses. A, adding further information. Well, I did that when I said to Fred, tell me more about what you did at the pool party last year. So I was using that phrase to encourage further information. And the response I got was another description of a different game that Fred had played at that party. R, rephrasing and reflecting. Well, that happened throughout the conversation. For example, I reflected on what I might have done if I were at a pool party like Fred had been at and how I might have eaten all the chocolate cake because I love chocolate. When I did that, you could see that Fred made a joke towards me, telling me that I was a bit of a guts. And then he described how he ate the chocolate. M, making space. I tried to make space throughout the conversation for Fred to get all of his thoughts and feelings out about his experiences at the party. Overall, I think it would be fair to say that this was a much warmer conversation with Fred. Our connection was stronger. He was definitely a more enthusiastic conversation participant. The information that he gave was richer in terms of describing his thoughts and feelings. And that also applied to me. Overall, it was a much better conversation. 
The next conversation is with my second eldest son, Xavier, who is six and a half years old. Have a listen and see whether you think this is a warm conversation where I apply the WARM principles we've been discussing or a non-warm conversation. So, Xavier, are you looking forward to the school holidays? Yeah, I don't want to go back to school. You don't want to go back to school? I love school. Oh, you do like school? You do like school? Do you like your teacher? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you like your friends at school? Yeah. Yeah? And do you like doing learning at school? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what about playtime? Do you like playtime? Mm-hmm. I mostly like my teacher, but mm-hmm. she lets me like do much more fun things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you enjoy your first year at school in kindergarten? Yeah. Yeah. And the end of your concert? Yeah. Yeah. You looked like you had a good time, did you? Yeah. Singing all the carols and joining yeah. with the kids. Yeah. 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 And then what about the holidays? You're looking forward to the holidays? Yeah. Uh-huh. What are you going to do these holidays? Um, if it was Christmas and I got my water balloons, I could shoot the family and you. <laughs> water balloons? I don't know. <laughs> uh. What else? Um, I'm looking forward... Um... You're looking forward to winter? Because then I get to play more soccer games and I haven't even got beaten. Oh, okay, because you're in your soccer team and you enjoy soccer. Yeah. Do you like soccer? Yeah. Mm? I have a new player. Oh, really? Who's that? Sam. Sam? A new soccer player in your team? Mm -hmm. So you've got some new soccer players in your team that you like being in a team with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. What did you think was lacking in that conversation with Xavier? Three things that I noticed were, first, the lack of work questions. My questions were mostly closed questions where I asked Xavier things like, did you like learning? Did you like kindergarten? Did you like soccer? And because of that, he gave many one-word answers. Second, There was a lack of me trying to get more information out of Xavier or add more information to the conversation by failing to ask, tell me more about. Third, there was a lack of my rephrasing and reflecting. I didn't really contribute further to the conversation or build conversation with Xavier by sharing anything about my own thoughts, feelings or experiences in relation to sport or learning, which were the topics that we were discussing. The final conversation is a conversation I have with my four and a half year old daughter, Edith, and then my son, Xavier, joins in. Into the conversation and see where you can hear me apply some of the principles of the WARM or warm approach to conversation. Now, Edith, What about you? Are you looking forward to the holidays? Yes. Yeah, what would you like to do these holidays? I would like to um I would like to I 
doing well at school. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, what I, what I, the holidays I want to do is dress up as Princess Belle. Oh, dress up as Princess Belle. And Elsa. Uh-huh. And, and Anna and Mary. And they, I want to make paper doll chain with Mama. Mm-hmm. And make teddy bear chain mm -hmm. and make books with Mama. Mm -hmm. So many books. Mm -hmm. And statues. Lots of things on your and list for bells. the holidays. Yeah. And I wanna and they wanna make up a story with my brothers and my mama and my grandma and my daddy and my baby boy my baby brother and me. Mm -hmm. And I'm enjoying school One of the decorations on the Christmas tree. And that. Yeah. And they want to make, and they wanted to play um, Santa. You know, I think Santa's children. decorating the Christmas tree is a fantastic idea. When I was little, yeah, I, I used it. to do some Christmas decorations for the Christmas tree when I was growing up, and I loved it. It was so much fun. Yeah, I like and to decorate the Christmas tree. You'd like and, to do that too? And, and then and I would like to play um, Santa. Whoever he, he he gets their food and fed, mm -hmm. they can be Santa. Whoever gets their food and last, mm -hmm. and second, and all the t people, they have to be the children, and, and one person can be the elves. Whoever puts their hand up first can be one of the elves. You've really thought this through yeah. this game, haven't you? And 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 I whoever puts their hand up again, they they can be Rudolph the reindeer. Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. I remember at the Christmas concert, you two were singing a song about Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Oh, wow. Not this year. Other years, other years. That's right, that's what you were singing. I remember that. We, we went to the Christmas concert this year, though, didn't we? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about what you liked about the Christmas concert. Mama. I liked singing Mary. I sang like really quietly. Mary, did you know? Mm. Me too. Mary, did you and know? Little donkey, little donkey, on the dusty road. That's right, lots of songs. Sorry, Zabby. So many Christmas carols. 
So, in the lead up to the Christmas concert, how much did you have to practice at school? Every day. Oh, wow. Not like every day for us. We had to practice every music day. Uh But on Tuesday, I was sick, so I couldn't practice. Mama, Um, we wish you all Merry Christmas, and then I didn't know. Yeah. I knew it because no. I was just joking. Uh huh. Mama, mama. Yeah. yeah. Can I say, Mummy? Yes. And Miss Bell said only the reception and not the Navy. Twinkle, oh. twinkle, little star. I wonder what you. Alright, you guys good to go? Oh, it's time for school. Yes! Okay, yes. that was amazing singing and talking about your concert and Christmas and Mommy, holidays. Can I sing one song? We'll sing one song off the record, I think, Edie. I'll just turn this off for us. What are you doing? A podcast? <laughs> okay, having listened to that rather cute conversation between my daughter Edith, who is four and a half, my son Xavier, who is six and a half, and myself. What did you notice about the WARM or warm conversation principles? Let's go through them. First, W for what questions or open-ended questions. Well, towards the start of the conversation, I used the open-ended question, what would you like to do these holidays? And because I started with that kind of open-ended question, Instead of a one-word response, what I got was a more detailed answer from Edith about dressing up as a princess from a fairy tale. A for add more information. In the conversation, I used that special phrase, tell me more about. I said to the children, tell me a little bit more about what you liked about the Christmas concert. And so by asking that way, What I got was a more detailed description from Xavier about the different Christmas songs that he enjoyed singing at the concert and why and how. R for rephrasing and reflecting. During the conversation, I tried to do both of those things. I rephrased at times. For example, I said, oh, dressing up as Princess Belle in response to Edith's description about what she wanted to do in the holidays. And that seemed to serve as a form of encouragement for her to go on and tell me more about other princesses that she would like to dress up as and other things that she would like to do during the Christmas holidays, like make teddy bear chains. And I reflected by talking about my own personal experience of decorating a Christmas tree when I was a child. And when I did that, Xavier re-entered the conversation at that point describing that he would like to decorate a Christmas tree too. So it was a form of encouraging him to talk about his own interest or preference. M for making space. Edith at times had some challenges getting her thoughts or ideas out clearly, and that's pretty typical for a child her age. So I needed to give her space in the conversation to take the time that she needed to speak. Because I did give her space, she was able to complete and get out all of the ideas and thoughts that she wanted to share in the conversation. 
Overall, the conversation was much longer than my conversation with Xavier where I wasn't really using the WARM or WARM principles. And I think in general, it would again be fair to say that all participants of the conversation were more enthusiastic and interested in speaking to each other. It even broke out into song at times. That was brilliant. Well done. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I hope that people will find the WARM acronym easy to use and easy to remember and that that talk through using those examples was a good guide for families in, you know, what works well in those WARM conversations and what does not work so well when we have our typical conversations. Oh, I think it will, definitely. And as we always say, leave comments uh, wherever we are, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube, wherever you've heard us, leave the comments and uh, we can answer questions and, and all those things as yes. well. So no yeah. problem at all. But I want to finish on a joke. As always, this time you can help me with my joke. Okay. So here we go. Right. Doctor, doctor, I've lost my memory. When did that happen? When did what happen? <laughs> okay. Well, that's a wrap uh, for this episode of the Annie Centre podcast. I'm Justin Kingdon. I'm Dr. Anne Chalfont. And our mission, as always, is helping families thrive. And we really hope that in this episode, we have done just that. And as always, please visit our Facebook page at Dr. Anne Chalfont. Uh, leave a comment, uh, any ideas for future um, podcast episodes that on topics you want to hear about and where you're not getting the information uh, from all the usual sources and you want to get the facts and and great advice. Um, You can also find uh, Dr. Chalfont on Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter. Just search hashtag Annie's Centre or hashtag Dr. And Chalfont. Also, we, we are trying to promote our hashtag Helping Families Thrive as well as our as our key hashtag for the podcast and for uh, everywhere where we're putting out content. So don't forget YouTube uh, and uh, subscribe and click the bell so you get notifications for each new video. Um, And uh, as we always say, please leave a rating and uh, feedback on the podcast app that you have used uh, to listen to this podcast. We love the ratings, we love the feedback, uh, and we want more and more families to hear the show and get as much as they can from it uh, and help improve uh, the lives of themselves and their children. So, thank you very much, and go and have warm conversations. The Annie Centre podcast was brought to you by Annie Centre Proprietary Limited. Please visit AnnieCentre.com and subscribe to receive the latest updates and digital downloads from Dr. Anne Shalfant.